Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Dominic Fifield of The Guardian and Tom Hopkinson of The People. 10 out of 10 for City, Celtic next in the Champions League. Everything's come together very quickly. Ominous for the rest, Dom? Absolutely, absolutely. I think rival managers are now acknowledging that that, uh, they can't use this excuse that they need time to get their their ideas across. Um, Jose Mourinho spoke about it at the weekend. He keeps harking back to Van Gaal's tenure at at United. And Antonio Conte last Friday also said that... um, He's finding it harder at Chelsea because maybe it's easier at City when they've got that Bagheristan already there. They've been buying players to sort of fit into Pep Guardiola's philosophy for a while now. But they've just hit the ground running and it's it's great to see that some of the football they're playing is absolutely dazzling. And, and um, at the moment, it's hard to see anybody really stopping them. I think you have to say, in the defence of both Mourinho and Conte, though, there was less to fix, less oh, to put right yeah. at Manchester City. You know, Much they, higher base, isn't it, it? Yeah, he'd inherited this great group of players. Now, that's not to take anything away from what Guardiola has done. I mean, Sterling uh, didn't have a good year at all last year, did he? And yet he has started the season mm-hmm. electrified. And, and he'll have to step up now because you know, De Bruyne is going to be out for you know, four to six weeks with that hamstring. And that's the way that Pep operates, isn't it? He, he, he challenges his players on an individual basis and expects collective excellence. Yeah, he does, and, it, and it's, it's worked incredibly well for him. I mean, Sterling, yeah, he, he is, he's really stepped up and he, he needs to keep that going now. It's that consistency, isn't it, that we want to see. As, as Sterling matures as a player, we want to see him putting those uh, performances in week in, week out. But... It's the strength in depth as well. Look, De Bruyne is going to be a huge miss. There's no doubt about that. He's been he's been possibly the best player of uh, the, the season so far. You know, at, at this early stage, I know that's probably a little bit foolish to say, but week after week he has been very impressive. But. You know, they've got the likes of Nolito to come in, Gundogan to come in, Sterling already in the side. I mean, and this is this is the problem that other clubs are going to have with Manchester City in the next couple of years. That that squad looks very, very close to 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 being almost the perfect build, you know, the perfect makeup of a squad. So and it's only going to get stronger as well. Mm-hmm. Aguero's eleven goals in six <laughs> games and Pep saying, Well you need to get better, mate. <laughs> and he will get better under under Guardiola, I mean, he'll have more opportunities to score, and, and the the hall he'll he'll if he stays fit and he stops flinging that elbow, he'll um I mean he'll get thirty plus this year, won't he? I mean mm. it's it's almost like nailed on. Uh, he's he's a phenomenon, um and it, it's 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 perfect really the the blend they've got there if, if they can with that supply line, um and the the creation that comes on from from really throughout that team, 
um, even from centre back really, and from goal from the goalkeeper. Yeah, like that. yeah. <laughs> um, but they they will score a, a bucket load of goals this season, and, and Aguero will, will will come away with a huge haul. And he's made his statement obviously once with with Joe Hart, but then Yaya Toure and his agent. Yeah, I've, I've been a little bit disappointed. Uh, this is this is the the sort of one chink in the armour for uh, me with Guardiola this season. I, I sort of. If he doesn't fancy Yaya, if he thinks that Yaya is over the hill, which we've all seen that he's certainly, if not over it, he's, he's just started creeping down it enough, just tell him, just be honest about it. Don't hide behind the agent. I mean, what are some ludicrous comments from the agent? I mean, to be calling it he's on with the He's a pretty ludicrous man, so isn't he? It, it's, well... You know, look, we milk it up in the media, don't we? Because it, it, it's been great copy for us. Um, it's been great copy uh, for the Sunday Mirror, who who broke the story. And um, you know, when when a player for a, for a manager to come out and say, "Look, I've left this player out because of what his agent said in a newspaper," it's it's you know, it's created a real stir. But I just wished Guardiola had said, "Do you know what?" I, I didn't really fancy him at Barcelona, which is why I shipped him on in the first place. I think now he's not the player he was a couple of seasons ago. I've got all these young lads coming in. There's an evolution going on at Manchester City. He will play occasionally, but not very often. If he wants to leave, he can. If he wants to see out the season, he can. But I just think it, it almost seems like a bit of a cheap excuse to have to have hid behind. And I would, I would have hoped for a bit more from a man of his stature. Mm. Champions League is going to be very high on City's agenda. You know, or for almost like historic reasons or recent history anyway. Looking at the Celtic game, you would have thought that City have got enough in them. They're fourth favourites in the Champions League. Is that about right for them? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, you'd say that probably behind, obviously, Real Madrid, Barcelona. And I think Ancelotti brings a new dimension to, to Bayern Munich in the Champions League. So, so yeah, City probably, yeah, certainly the, the most persuasive of the English uh, clubs and, and the candidates to win it, um, and they've they've got an awful lot to prove still. And that that group of players have got an awful lot to prove in in that competition. And Guardiola is he will target it. I mean, they, look, they could the way they're going, they could have won the Premier League by the end of April. In which case, they'll be able to in the, in the new year. You'd think they would be able to prioritise Champions League in terms of selections, etc. Um, I think he will he will add something, but I'm not convinced yet. That the entire club is is behind that competition. I think the supporters and the continued unrest around the Champions League. There's a certain, there's slightly circumspect about the whole thing still. Um, it, maybe it will take Guardiola achieving something remarkable in that competition um, for them to be convinced that that's what they want to do. Don's talked about people needing to basically restore or improve their reputations. What about um, uh, Brendan Rodgers at Celtic? That the the sort of club where it is a good platform. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it, because it's still still very much in the media, still very newsworthy. Um, but it does take him. I know, I know the spotlight in Scotland is on, but it takes him just out of the glare of the Premier League, which uh, I felt he, he perhaps needed. Um, you know, I I, I I did wonder if he might uh, go off to one of the teams on the continent. You know, obviously fluent mm. in Spanish, and I thought La Liga might be a good fit for him. But it was it was fitting, wasn't it, or or, or interesting that he only ever signed a year contract at Celtic. So I, that's not a massive statement of I expect to be here uh, for a very long term. I think. Um, the the criticism that Liverpool fans would have had of Rodgers um, and, and Everton fans likewise with Martinez was this air of positivity that he forever has and um, he seems to have that with him at Celtic and I think that's the one thing that I hoped once he went away out of the glare he perhaps learned to leave that behind a little bit because 
not everything is brilliant as uh, we saw with the 7-0 thumping by Barcelona. True, yeah. We hear a lot about the tan and the teeth. What about the tactics? How do Celtic counter City? Well, that was that was my one sort of quibble with Brendan Rodgers going to Celtic, if he was going to further his managerial career. At Liverpool, he was known for this sort of lavish brand of attacking football, but the defending was always the issue. And I, I don't see how competing at the top end of the Scottish Premier League, um, you know, hammering teams most weeks, um, is going to improve him as a defensive coach, uh, particularly. And that was exposed ruthlessly in the complete mismatch at Camp Nou. And I... I don't really see how he counters City. I mean, he's, he's not the type of manager that's suddenly going to put you know, 10 men behind the ball um, or even get particularly high press or anything, you know, all these you know, the Klopp-type tactics that can snuff out teams' threats. Um, so there is a danger that Celtic get overrun in midweek, um, as they were in Barcelona. Maybe they have to... Maybe they go on the front foot early. Maybe that 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 has a a, a more galvanising effect on well, them. Or use the atmosphere. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know how how much that that comes into play for when you've got elite level players. And really, I think it might be a bit sort of you know what we talk about quite a lot. But I'm sure that these players have have, have experienced mm. worse atmospheres than than, than, than Parkhead. Um, and the city players won't won't be intimidated by that. But it, look, it will be a fantastic occasion. But I think it's a, it is the type of match where Celtic have to somehow get a, a foothold in the game early, and that will mean getting a one goal or two goal advantage. And if I'm honest, I don't really see that happening. Mm, the the relatively poor standard of Scottish football mm. militates against players when they get obviously at a higher level in terms of the challenge mm. that a team like City can provide. What about Moussa Dembélé? You know, we talked about. Rogers being at Celtic for his season. Looks like a player like that could really establish his reputation. He's had two games, five goals. He's far too good for Scottish football. Isn't yeah, it? he's a really good player, a real, a real prospect. And I conversely think that Celtic is a good move for a player like Dembele because it, it gives him that chance to be uh, playing in the heat of a battle for a club the size of Chelsea week after week. And he's clearly risen to that, uh, that challenge. Whereas Rogers. You know, he'd been at a, a club that is playing a far higher standard than that that Chelsea are, so he was dipping down a level, and that's why I didn't, I, I, I wasn't sure why it had worked for him. But Dembele, you know, to be playing week after week for, uh, for, a, a, you know, where he's the focal point of um, uh, that team, I think that's really going to bring him on. He's clearly destined for for bigger things than Celtic. Um, uh, he he would comfortably get into a, a mid-table Premier League side now, and uh, I think you speak to one or two people who who know him from his. Fulham days, they would uh, say he will go on to achieve even greater things than that. Mm. Tottenham are playing City on Sunday. Mm. Uh, obviously, they've got a, a game in, in Moscow first, CSKA. A few more teething problems for them, do you think? In Moscow? Mm. Um, I, I expect them to, to recover from from the disappointment of the, the Wembley experience and the, and the Monaco match and, and win that game in, in, in Russia. Um, largely because I think that the opposition are, are that great. Um, I think Monaco will be Tottenham's biggest challenges in that section. Um, it's inconvenient for for Spurs to be having to make that that lengthy travel ahead of a game against Manchester City when Pochettino will be desperate for them all to be fresh so that they can get into City's faces at, at White Hart Lane. Um, so this is this is poorly timed in that respect. But I, I do 
I think I think the the way that Pochettino spoke after after losing to Monaco, he made it very clear to his players that that that, that performance and that result were inexcusable, unacceptable. They, they worked really hard to get into that position, to get into that competition last season. They they can't be wasting um, their their. You know, at the group stage, they, they've got to they've got to get their teeth into into the tie, get some momentum going in Europe. And I, look, I, th I think they'll win. I think they'll win that, and they'll get back on track. Um, their domestic form has been excellent, so I think they'll give City a test on Sunday. It's been well. interesting, hasn't it? Because the domestic form has been excellent, yeah. but it's so under the radar with everything else now. And this is this is the Pochettino factor because he's been bedded in for a year. Everyone's been looking at Conte, they've been looking at Mourinho and Guardiola. Pochettino is able to go. You know, under the radar, as I say, with with a, a, an established squad, and and you look at the results against Liverpool and Everton at the start of the season, which you have to say, given their two starts now, were, were very impressive as well. So he's he's really kicked it on, and to go to Middlesbrough uh, at the weekend, and you know, it's not an easy place to go at all. I know they're still not quite up to speed with um, uh, the demands of the Premier League yet, or at least they, they don't appear to be. But teams will go there this season and lose. Spurs are are steadily getting momentum. That, that even when they won four 0 at Stoke, Pochettino wasn't happy, mm. um, which suggests that they're building slowly. And yeah, and all those the, the, the contracts which are coming oh, out every well, that's couple of days. Magnificent news, isn't it? I mean, isn't that? Oh, that's really clever. In this modern age, where you know clubs like to control the, the positive press that they they get out there to sort of have this drip feed of good news stories going in, and this adds to the whole atmosphere at the club and the, around the supporter fan base as well. And I think. There's so many positives there. It's got a real feel of, of young lads all enjoying yeah, being yeah. part of the same it's team as well. You know, a great yeah. spirit in the camp, and you know, we we go up there uh, to to speak to the players from time to time, and. Whenever you're talking to them, you know, you do get this feeling that he's put together this collective of young lads who not only are superbly talented footballers, but there's a real respect for each other as well. And, you know, you see videos of uh, Dyer and um, Ali out and about in London together. You know, these aren't players who are just going in, training and then all disappearing off home or going out with other mates. These are players who are, you know, spending their afternoons together as well. And, and Pochettino must be loving that. He must mm. be feeding off it. And there's almost, you know, in a positive way, a second season syndrome. If you look at Hong Min Song, for instance, yeah. four goals in three games, two against uh, Middlesbrough. Mm. Now, it took him 28 games last season to, to get to that level. He's just beginning to show signs of actually coming to terms with what the Premier League's all about. Vincent Janssen will be a world beater this time next year. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah, it's taken him a while. And he actually started very well last season. I think he had a winner against Palace quite early on. And people were raving about him then and saying this is a £20 million player who's coming from Bayer Leverkusen and he can do a job immediately. But it did take him a while to settle in, but largely because he wasn't first choice. I mean, he wasn't. they had better players in, that, in those, those positions. But this year, he's, he's stepped up um, and, and the, goal, the, goals, the, the second goal he scored at the Riverside, where he's sort of run down a blind alley, won the ball back again and got into a really difficult tight area and yet curled a fantastic finish in uh, part of it to Valdez. I think that sums up the quality he can bring to them. Um, he, he looks far more settled. He's talking well to the media as well. He just seems to be, yeah, he's, he's, he's in the right place now and, and, and having an impact. And, you know, that's, that, that could prove to have been a good investment. And they nearly let him go in the summer as well, doesn't mm -hmm. he? So you talk about how, how settled he is. You know, he's, he's had would have been turned by the, there was a move lined up to Germany I think if uh, Spurs could have brought one more player in over the summer uh, you know everyone happy for him to, to go player was happy to, to move on as well and yet it didn't materialise so he stayed put and to, to get your head 
straight as quickly as that and, and be yeah, playing impressive. at the standard he's playing at is very impressive. Yeah. Tottenham good enough to beat City? They'll probably be the biggest test yet to City. And on their day, yes, they are good enough to beat them. Um, but they have to really be, you know, they have to really be flying into that game. And I do think that that trip to Moscow could hinder them. There, there will be a blip for City soon. I mean, we're talking, you know, they've, they've had a great start to the season. Ten out of ten, as you say. Not, not too many of the top teams they've played, have they? Really? No, no, no. no. And, you know, although, you know, I mean, the, the big game against United, they, they looked absolutely superb in that mm. first half, didn't they? Um, but I, I just think, you know, as, as carried away, uh, we're already we're starting to wonder if they can go the whole season unbeaten, <laughs> you know, things like that. It, it will, there match. will come a time that they, they do lose a couple of games. Yeah. Spurs can do that, but uh, yeah, as Dom says, it'll be a tough one for them after the uh, midweek trip. Okay, guys, you were both at Arsenal at the weekend. Sort of a mixture of the sublime and the ridiculous. Let's start off with the sublime, Arsenal. That was one of their best performances in recent years. Can they sustain it in Europe? Uh, yeah, they certainly. I think they've had the hardest fixture in Europe. I was at. I was in Paris for the PSG game. They should have been beaten. They should have been beaten outside in the first half. But um, Edison Cavani was in one of his more obliging moods <laughs> and um, they got away with it. And, but that actually was an excellent point in the end. When, um, thanks largely to David Ospina and a, a late equaliser. Um, they can carry that momentum from Saturday into, into Europe. Certainly they'll beat Basel in midweek. I would have thought um, Luda Goretz won't be a problem for them and they'll get through. Um, it'll come down to the game against PSG at home. And PSG are shambles domestically at the moment. They're having a nightmare. There's a lot of discontent around Unai Emery. They're not convinced that he's the right man to be taking that club on, post Laurent Blanc. So I think there's an opportunity for Arsenal to win the group, dare I say it, and then probably get drawn against Barcelona or finish <laughs> second in Europe. So. Yeah. <laughs> they, they look, they, I thought they looked superb on Saturday. What struck uh, you Saturday. about them? What struck um, you about them? The strength in depth. Uh, to lose Coquelin and to bring Xhaka, a £30 million pound player off the bench, um, and nothing changed. Uh, nothing changed. It was absolutely seamless. Now, losing Coquelin for uh, a couple of months, if that is indeed how long he's out for, uh, I think Wenger said it's the same, they think it's the same medial knee injury that kept him out uh, last season. So that would be a blow. But um, if they can keep Xhaka fit, if they can keep Cazorla fit, then, then you know, they, they have now got the backup. Um but I was also very impressed with Mustafi and Koscielny at the heart of the defence. I mean, Costa, you could see him getting more and more wound up. Um, but he, not necessarily with the defenders. There, there was Last year, we think back to the uh, Gabriel battle. You know, he, he, he got right under Gabriel's skin, caused him to get sent off. But this year, he was just getting frustrated with his own teammates who, who clearly weren't up to the, the standards that he was expecting them to be at. I mean, there was such a gulf between the, the midfield... And, and the defence as well. At one point, you've got David Luiz sort of calling the defenders, uh, the, the midfielder, sorry, to sit a little bit closer to him. And then Costa couldn't get his head around the fact that, that there was that gap between the midfield and himself. And you have to give Arsenal's uh, defensive midfield and the defenders utter credit for that. And, and that, that second goal, uh, mm -hmm. the, the Walcott goal, you know, okay. when we talk about Arsene Wenger's 20 years at Arsenal and how, how the team has evolved and that, that sort of fizzing pass, pass, pass mm. uh, style of football, that, that epitomised that. It was a, a cracking goal. Has mm. Walcott almost grown up as a footballer at last? Well, well Wenger suggested he had. Uh, it was almost as if the disappointment that missing out in the summer had affected him and made him realise that he needs to get on with his career now. Is he 27 now? Mm, 27, yeah. Um, 
Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's interesting. He did. He was excellent. He was excellent. He still yeah. seems like a potentially great footballer. Yeah, I know. Well, without he, ever, I'm not sure he'll ever that, shed no. that tag though, no. will he? I mean, it's it's the way it's, it's it's been for him over the years. But yes, but you know, he 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 fitted fitted into that that team seamlessly and was was excellent. So much pace. Yeah. So much. Pace. And with I mean, you know, the fact that they can play Sanchez now yeah. through the middle as a, a nine. I mean. Uh, 100th appearance, I mean, like 47 goals mm -hmm. for Arsenal now. I mean, and, and that finish was uh, sumptuous, wasn't it? The little dink over Courtois, Özil <laughs> yeah. as well. I, I he just, was fantastic. He, he was super. Th those two, uh, you know, I, I, when we're doing our player ratings after the uh, after the game, you know, they they were both nines out of ten for me. I just thought they were they were both excellent. And and but they've now got players around them who you almost feel. They are. They have respect for. Whereas in, at times in the past, I sometimes wondered if those two looked around a bit and thought. You know, these, these lads aren't quite playing up to our standard, but at the moment they look like they are. Well, let's go from the province of 9 out of 10 to about 1 out of 10. <laughs> Chelsea, you, you've seen all the games this season. Yeah, I've seen all the Premier League matches, yeah. Um, How bad were they? Well, they were very bad. Um, but if I'm honest, it wasn't a surprise that they were like that. Um, Liverpool had got the ball rolling the week before with that first-half performance at Stamford Bridge. The, the defence has been a, dis a disaster waiting to happen for a while. Um, really, since about the 60th minute at the Liberty Stadium, when they'd, been, they'd battered Swansea, they, they should have been out of sight, and then in two minutes they, they completely capitulated. Um, the second, obviously, that day was controversial, but Gary Cahill is making the same mistakes he made in Swansea. He's making against Arsenal. Um, David Luiz... Actually, I feel a bit sorry for him. I don't think he's actually been their, their worst defender by any stretch of the imagination. He, he actually offers them a bit of pace and a bit of vision at the back. But when you've got Branislav Ivanovic at playing at right back, I, I, just, I just don't... I cannot fathom how Branislav Ivanovic is still in that Chelsea first team, given the, his form over the last 16 he seemed months. seemed to drop off a cliff, didn't he? Because if you remember the season before last, he was... I, I, I had him down as... Challenging Hazard for the player of the season yeah. it, until about March, he was superb, and then all of a wall. sudden, yeah, hit this wall and it's just been down. I mean, I, I actually thought that that first goal, uh, there was a mistake from Kale, don't get me wrong, and he, he should have cleared it, but the ball that Ivanovic played to him. Mm put him in trouble. Um, you know, Kale's a good enough defender, experienced enough, he should have been able to deal with it, but it all started for me from from the Ivanovic mistake. And um, I, I, I just think with Cahill, it looks really interesting ever since David Luiz came back. It's almost like in his own mind, I'm going to be the fall guy here. It's going to be John Terry and, and Luiz playing at the heart of the defence. And I'm the one who's struggling. We saw him come out and, and give that emotional uh, press conference or, or interview after uh, the Andre Mariner um, yeah. incident at Swansea when, uh, at Swansea when Leroy Fur uh, fouled him. And, and I just thought that's a man who's really fearing for his place when he's coming out and talking about things like that. And it, it looks, yeah, mentally, the, it looks like the he's irony got a real of that problem is at the moment. He had, after that game, he knew that John Terry was going to be out for a period of time miss a few games so he had an opportunity there mm. to to make that position his own and to prove his, his pedigree but the thing is he looks diminished when John Terry doesn't play alongside yeah, him because yeah. he needs Terry they, they that, all that's, need that's Terry's been a criticism of his I remember speaking to someone a few years ago three or four years ago now and we were talking about England and 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 they just said look 
Cahill is a very, very good defender, yeah. but he needs John Terry alongside him to yeah. be mm. the best he can be because Terry marshals him so well and, and perhaps Cahill just... I mean, he's, he's a, a lovely fella, isn't he? You know, yeah. when he always stops and speaks in the mix zone tours and he's, he's great for us. Um, really, really nice bloke. But it's just that, that almost that confidence, that... that extra percent, the X factor that makes Terry the defender, you know, that, that mm. win at all cost that makes Terry the defender he's been that, that Kale perhaps just seems to, loom, uh, to lack, sorry. How will Conte respond to all this? You know, he's talking about not sleeping for two nights after that performance. He's rigorous, let's say. Yeah. Uh, well, look, he had, um, post, post Euro 2016, I think he started work at Chelsea seven days later after Italy had gone home. Um, and he worked constantly at Chelsea 24-7 until a three-day break during the last international window. I imagine he'll have the same three-day break there to recharge his batteries. But the, the reality is there is no quick fix in that Chelsea team. And recruitment's been poor. Recruitment has been appalling. I mean, we, 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 got, we got hoodwinked a bit because they did achieve a bit of a coup by getting N'Golo Kante. From, from Leicester, and, and, and you thought, well, he has made an impact, although he has been overrun in the last few games against better oppo opposition. But the reality is, Michi Batshuayi, I'm unconvinced, was a long-term target um, for Chelsea, and it was just an opportunity that they thought they'd take. And their, their attempts to bring in a centre-half were a disaster from start to finish, um, and it culminated in them talking to PSG about Marquinhos, um, about Kimpende, and ended up ended up with them re-signing David Luiz. And as I said, I, I, I feel a bit sorry for David Luiz. I, I find it ludicrous that a club of Chelsea's ambition is still reliant upon a 35-year-old ex-England international who has been surviving on one-year contracts for three years now. Mm. And two or three. It's three, I did check. Um, <laughs> Sorry, we were having this debate on Saturday at the game. But isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. I mean, they've had, they've had years to plan ahead in this, in this regard. And th their most promising centre-half is arguably, arguably um, Christensen, who's on loan, in a t locked into a two-year loan yeah. at Borussia Mönchengladbach, where his development is, is continuing. But that's the problem, you know, whenever you talk about Chelsea, there's an anthem for lost youth, isn't there? You know, 38 yeah. loans... They're not bringing people through. Will that culture ever change? It won't, but, you know, look, they've won 15 trophies under Roman Abramovich as well. Is it four league titles as well, four mm. Premier League titles? So, you know, you can't really argue with that too much. Yes, we'll, we'll look at it and from... An, an English perspective, uh, as much as anything, sorry, an England national team perspective, we'd love to see young players coming through. But I, I, I think Chelsea would be within their rights to say, look, if you'd if you'd have asked the supporters 15, 20 years ago um, if they'd accept no more players coming through since John Terry and, and fully making it or this silverware, they, they'd have all they'd have all gone for that. I was just just listening to Dom. I. I I, I disagree with him slightly. I, I think they recruited pretty well in the, the transfer window. Um, from Kante, excellent buy, but just isn't doing it um, at Chelsea. He seems to be, games seem to be passing him by, whereas last year uh, they, they didn't at all. And whether that's because he's getting used to his teammates, getting used to new surroundings. Only the last two games. Yeah, yeah, but, but at the start of the season, how, you know, how strong was the opposition? Whereas last year, 
Mm. Kante bossed everyone. But I think Bashiri, I think we knew from seeing him in the Euros, we knew he was raw, but we knew he would score goals, which he will continue to do. But it's it's in that midfield that, that the problem is. I mean, Fabregas uh, looked a long way off the pace. There's clearly an issue there. Um, if he's going to drop Oscar so quickly to bring Fabregas in on the back of a couple of goals in the mm. League Cup, does he fully trust Oscar? Um, so there are there are issues. Um, and I actually think Luis, having, you know, when he came back for the, the PSG, with PSG last year for the Champions League game, he looked immense. Now, I know he probably raised his game because it was against his old club. He had the point to prove. But he looked superb. So if, if he can recreate that or recapture that form what? this season, then, then they'll be OK in the long term. Just moving on quickly to Leicester. Mm. They've lost their intensity, haven't they? Yeah. Although Kante is really the only one who's been taken out of that team. Should there be some concern there? You know, they've got Porto uh, on Tuesday. Well, yeah, but only, I think you have to put everything into context, really. I, think, I don't think... They're now competing on two fronts, and they're a massive fronts. The Champions League, well, they're... they're, they're Amazing result already in in Bruges. Um, they're more than capable of of beating Porto at home. Um, I think it's a still relative. I you know, if well, they're thirteenth in the table. Okay, they've had they've had some bad results away from home, but um, they're they're a squad that's adjusting to an influx of new players who have been bought with the Champions League in mind um, to get a better depth of quality. Um, it'll take Ranieri a while to get the balance right in that respect. I, I would imagine, um, and it's not as if they've been derailed early in Europe. They're, they're, they've made a very good start in in Europe, which is this season's novelty value for them. I don't. I didn't really expect them to finish anywhere no. above maybe tenth. If, if Ranieri was here now, he'd be ringing his little bell, wouldn't he, and saying, "Look, two seasons ago, a yeah. lot of this squad were bottom of the table for the majority of the season. Last year." We were the top of the table for the whole of the season. So we're, what we're actually getting this year is just the average of, mm -hmm. of perhaps where Leicester City should be. And they, they recruited well as well. You know, there won't be, there won't be any issues for them. I, I still expect them to finish comfortably top half. And, and what about Manchester United? What, what are the, the lessons and the legacy of that win over Leicester? <laughs> We're going to have to get the Bruni question. I was going to say, I mean, that is, you know, not going to be the first person to say this week that the, the, the lesson was Wayne Rooney. You know, he. It's, I find it difficult to criticise Wayne Rooney. I know a lot of people have, have felt that it's fair game, um, but when you consider everything is achieved in the game, uh, record goal scorer for England, you know, I, I think everyone has, has really laid into him. But it has been obvious watching Manchester United this season that the game, uh, he was slowing games down, and that's because he's not a midfielder. He is a goal scorer. He's a centre forward, um, and and that's and Mourinho was absolutely right at the start of the season. That is the position he should be playing. Look, Father Time catches up with everyone. It's catching up with Rooney. He's been playing for 14 years now, hasn't he, at the, the top. So it, it's not like he's having a shorter career than anyone else. He just started earlier, and we know because of his natural shape and size, it, it's tougher for him to stay uh, as sharp as he needs to be, as it, as it is for other footballers who are who are built you know, with the perfect V-shape that, that most footballers have mm. these days. So. Well, I, what I found was really interesting, this stat about Paul Pogba supplying Zlatan. There were 30, gave him the ball 13 times on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Rooney had given Zlatan the ball only 15 times for the <laughs> entire season. So that tells you that there's a, there's a balance beginning to be struck. Is Rooney going to be a Thursday night player? They play Zariah this week. 
who, as we all know, are from the Ukrainian <laughs> League and very little else, to be perfectly honest. Second in the table. Yeah. Just Einstein Dynamo, corner. Yeah. Beat Dynamo Kiev away recently. Um, yeah, well, possibly. I mean, Rooney won't see it that way. I think a lot of this revolves around how he reacts to, to sitting out that match and, and how he responds when he is given that chance. And presumably he does play Thursday. Um, and if he if he starts scoring, if he if he plays in a more advanced role and starts scoring goals, then you know then Mourinho will have a, a proper decision to make as to whether he gets back into the Premier League. It, it won't hurt Rooney to play twenty games Absolutely. this season. You know, we, look, we, again, it's, I'm not not saying anything that hasn't been said a thousand times before. Giggs, it was okay for Giggs. Yes, he was he was forty, but again, look at the way that you know the the genetics behind Ryan Giggs compared to Rooney. It's, it's just good managers, as Mourinho is one, will will manage players to get the best out of him and. I think he'll manage the Rooney situation well. OK, just a, a brief word on, on Southampton. They absolutely demolished West Ham. They're in Israel on Thursday. Are they starting to come together under Puel? Yeah, it's, it's been a fantastic eight, nine days for them. Four wins on the spin. Um, it took him a while to get his ideas across, but we're talking, you know, we're talking about a month here. Um, he's got a really good squad. Um, and at, at, as we speak at the moment, and on the back of that performance at West Ham, they look as if they've actually recruited quite well again, and they've and they've coped with the the big name departures, the Pele's and the one Yarmas have gone. Um, but but they look as if they've still got that underlying quality, which will put them in good stead for the season ahead. They'll be absolutely fine, and they'll, you know, it looks as if they're a top top half team again. And they've got Charlie Austin scoring again, which oh, yeah. is seriously significant for them. Sure. Champions League week, as we all know. Prediction time. How are the four English clubs going to get on? Um, I would go for wins in all four, I think. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree yeah. with that. I think Arsenal Arsenal comfortably a better side than Basel, although Wenger obviously warning that they've they've had good results against English teams in, in recent yeah. seasons. Spurs, again, you know, it's, it's a long trip to, to Moscow, but you'd rather be going there this time of year than uh, December, well, yeah, December, January time, February time when it's seriously cold out there. So um, um, they'll be glad to get that out of the way. And, and yes, yeah, City, okay. City, City unstoppable, you would think. Mm. And, and yeah, Leicester, Leicester Porto has the potential to be the, you know, the cracking tie of the round, actually. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Wins for City, Arsenal and Spurs, but maybe a few teething problems for Leicester. Thanks for joining us here on Football Writers Podcast. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.